To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses. Though we have rebelled against him, neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Dearly beloved brethren, the scripture moveth us in sundry places to acknowledge and confess our manifold sins and wickedness, and that we should not dissemble nor cloak them before the face of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, but confess them with a humble, lowly, penitent, and obedient heart, to the end that we may obtain forgiveness of the same by his infinite goodness and mercy. And although we ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before God, yet ought we most chiefly so to do, when we assemble and meet together to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at his hands, to set forth his most worthy praise, to hear his most holy word, and to ask those things which are requisite and necessary, as well for the body as the soul. Wherefore I pray and beseech you, as many as are here present, to accompany me with a pure heart and humble voice under the throne of the heavenly grace, saying after me, Kneel, if able, please. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have heard and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things that we ought to have done, and we have done those things that we ought not to have done, and there is no help in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent. According to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desireth not the death of a sinner, but rather that he may turn from his wickedness and live, and hath given power and commandment to his ministers, to declare and pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardoned and absolveth all those who truly repent and unfeignedly believe his holy gospel. Wherefore, let us beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that those things may please him which we do at this present, and that the rest of our life hereafter may be pure and holy so that at the last we may come to his eternal joy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. 
Bow down thine ear, O Lord, and hear me, for I am poor and in misery. Preserve thou my soul, for I am holy. My God, save thy servant that putteth this trust in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I will call daily upon thee. Comfort the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and gracious, and of great mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, Lord, unto my prayer, and ponder the voice of my humble desires. In the time of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou hearest me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord. There is not one that can do as thou doest. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. O knit my heart unto thee, that I may fear thy name. I will thank thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will praise thy name for evermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the nethermost hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the congregations of mighty men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before their eyes. But thou, O Lord God, art full of compassion and mercy, long-suffering, plenteous in goodness and truth. O turn thee then unto me, and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant, and help the son of thine handmaid. Show some token upon me for good, that they who hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because thou, Lord, hast hope in me and comforted me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Her foundations are upon the holy hills. The Lord loveth the gates of Sion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Very excellent things are spoken of thee, Thou city of God, I will think upon Rahab and Babylon, with them that know me. Behold ye the Philistines also, and they of Tyre with the Ethiopians, lo, there was he born. And of Sion it shall be reported that many were born in her, and the Most High shall establish her. The Lord shall rehearse it when he writeth up the peoples that he was born there. The singers also and trumpeters shall he rehearse. All my fresh springs shall be in thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, it is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the 35th chapter of Jeremiah. 
The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go unto the house of the Rechabites, and speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jeazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, princes which was above the chamber of Maasiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. And I sat before the sons of the house of the Rechabites, pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he hath charged us, to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in, neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed, but we have dwelt in tents, and have obeyed, and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. But it came to pass, when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to the land, that we said, Come, and let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans, and for fear of the army of the Syrians, so we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive instruction to hearken my words, saith the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearkened not unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them, and ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But ye have not inclined your ear, nor hearkened unto me. Because of the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But this people hath not hearkened unto me. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard, and I have called unto them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all, according all that he hath commanded you, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. 
Here endeth the first lesson. Please join me in the Tedeum on page six of the Book of Common Prayer. Page six. Please stand, table. Oh, 
You may be seated. Here beginneth the 24th verse of the 6th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Hereneth the second lesson. Please join me in hymn 255. Hymn 255.
Lord, the flesh cannot please God, but live in sin, committing many actual transgressions. And that our Savior Christ said, None can enter into the kingdom of God except to be regenerate and born anew of water and of the Holy Ghost. I beseech you to call upon God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, that of his bounty of goodness he will grant to this person that which by nature he cannot have, that he may be baptized with water and the Holy Ghost and received into Christ's holy church and be made a living member of the same. Let us pray. Please be with Almighty and everlasting God, who of thy great mercy did save Noah and his family in the ark from perishing by water, and also did safely lead the children of Israel, thy people, through the Red Sea, figuring thereby thy holy baptism, and by the baptism of thy well-beloved Son, Jesus Christ, in the river Jordan, did sanctify the element of water to the mystical washing away of sin. We beseech thee, for thine infinite mercy, that thou wilt mercifully look upon this thy servant, wash him, and sanctify him with the Holy Ghost, that he, being delivered from thy wrath, may be received into the ark of Christ's church, and being steadfast in faith, joyful through hope, and rooted in charity, may so pass the waves of this troublesome world, that finally he may come to the land of everlasting life, there to reign with him, world without end, through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> Almighty and immortal God, the aid of all who need, the helper of all who flee to thee for succor, the light of those who believe, and the resurrection of the dead, we call upon thee for this person, that he, coming to thy holy baptism, may receive remission of his sins by spiritual regeneration. Receive them, O Lord, and as thou hast promised by thy well-beloved Son, saying, Ask, and he shall receive. Seek, and he shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So give now unto us who ask. Let us who seek find. Open the gates unto us who knock, that this person may enjoy the everlasting benediction of thy heavenly washing, and may come to the eternal kingdom, which thou hast promised by Christ our Lord. You may stand. Hear the words of the Gospel, written by St. John in the third chapter, beginning at the first verse. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Yeah. 
that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. It also showeth us the great benefit we reap thereby. For which cause, saints be to the apostle, when upon his first preaching of the gospel, many were pricked at the heart and said to him, and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? He replied and said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you and your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words exhorted he them, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. For, as the same apostle testified in another place, even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Doubt ye not, therefore, but earnestly believe that he will favorably receive this present person truly repentant and coming unto him by faith, that he will grant him remission of his sins and bestow upon him the Holy Ghost, that he will give him the blessing of eternal life and make him partaker of his everlasting kingdom. Wherefore, we being thus persuaded of the goodwill of our heavenly Father toward this person, declared by his Son, Jesus Christ, let us faithfully and devoutly give thanks to him and say, Please say along with Almighty and everlasting God, Heavenly Father, we give thee humble thanks because thou hast vouchsafed to call us to the knowledge of thy grace and faith in thee. Increase this knowledge and confirm this faith in us evermore. Give thy Holy Spirit to this person that he may be born again and be made heir of everlasting salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Well, beloved, who are come hither desiring to receive holy baptism? Thou hast heard how the congregation have prayed that our Lord Jesus Christ would vouchsafe to receive you and bless you, to release you of your sins, to give you the kingdom of heaven and everlasting life. Thou hast heard also that our Lord Jesus Christ hath promised in his holy word to grant all those things that we have prayed for, which promise he, for his part, will most surely keep and reward. Wherefore, after this promise made by Christ, thou must also faithfully, for your part, promise in the presence of these your witnesses and this whole congregation that thou wilt renounce the devil and all his works, and constantly believe God's holy word, and obediently keep his commandments. Dost thou renounce the devil and all his works, the vain, pomp, and glory of the world, with all covetous desires of the same, and the carnal desires of the flesh, so that thou wilt not follow, nor be led by them? Dost thou believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, and that he was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, that he went down to hell, and also did rise again the 
believing from the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the remission of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, and everlasting life after death. All this I steadfastly believe. Wilt thou be baptized in this faith? That is my desire. Wilt thou then obediently keep God's holy will and commandments, and walk in the same all the days of thy life? O oh, merciful God, grant that the old Adam and this person may be so buried that the new man may be raised up in him. Grant that all carnal affections may die in him, and that all things belonging to the Spirit may live and grow in him. Grant that he may have power and strength to have victory and to triumph against the devil, the world, and the flesh. Grant that he being here dedicated to thee by our office and ministry, may also be endued with heavenly virtues, everlastingly rewarded to thy mercy, O blessed Lord God, who dost live and govern all things, world without end. Almighty, ever living God, the most dearly beloved Son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins, did shed out of his most precious sign both water and blood, and gave commandment to his disciples that they should go make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Regard, we beseech thee, the supplications of this congregation. Sanctify this water, the mystical washing away of sin, and grant that the person now to be baptized therein may receive the fullness of thy grace and ever remain in the number of thy faithful and elect children. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Name this man. Judah, Aaron, and
Remembering always that baptism. 
Benedictus on page 11 of the Book of Common Prayer. Page 11 of the Book of Common Prayer.
through Jesus Christ our Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Please join me in Psalm 88, found on page 177 of the Psalms of David in Meter, uh, the Black Book, the Psalms of David in Meter, on page 177.
There is no way to compartmentalize a man's heart and soul. And when one pretends he can, he is simply acting out one of the lies which help him better serve his true dark master. So, what is mammon? The first great question we have to answer. Well, modern Bible translations uh, use a variety of words to try and grasp its meanings. Um, examples include stuff like money, or possessions, or earthly goods. And these are all fine translations of the Aramaic word that's transliterated into the Greek text and then our King James Version. But the Aramaic word was uh, carried over in those older translations precisely because it was the proper name of the Syrian god of riches and money. The word mammon was a way for the people of God to personify the evil desire to live and die for our possessions. Again and again, Jesus shatters our preconceived notions by revealing to us that wealth itself is an affliction which must be overcome by the special work of God. As he says later on in chapter 19, it is easier for a camel to go to the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Later on, right, later on in the history of the church, Paul gives us an example of what that special work of God would look like when he's writing uh, to Timothy. What it looks like when the Holy Spirit is working in a wealthy person for the salvation of their very soul. He writes, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. We are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Take hold of that which is truly life. How very different is the biblical attitude toward wealth than what we encounter in our dying world. What we find as we examine the lovingly honest words of our Creator is that the drive for success and fulfillment and possessions leads people away from God, just as surely as an addiction to drugs or pornography or any of the other idols we find more culturally repugnant. Unfortunately, in many Christian circles, People really do think that it's not only just fine, but in fact noble and impressive to ignore God as long as we are pursuing our dreams of success and wealth and comfort. But Jesus today targets this very idol and compares our worship of possessions, even necessities like food and clothes. He compares that to the worship of a Syrian demon god. 
cannot only sort of worship a Syrian demon god and also worship the living god. We will always show what deity we truly worship by how we prioritize and spend our time and treasure. We will show in our anxiety and worry about tomorrow that we have put our trust in man rather than in the promises of the living God. Now, this has been a tough teaching. This is the first time Jesus said it. And the common pushbacks in our own age, I tend to hear, usually come from two directions. First, people will say something like, well, it sounds like Jesus wants me to become a monk. And I'm not going to do that, so I will ignore this part of his sermon and continue my life. No, Jesus does not want everyone to quit what they're doing right now and join a monastery. But he does want us to be more like a monk than a prostitute. That's true. Each and every one of us is called to be in the world, but not of it. As our Lord states, my people are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Peter, later on, what does he tell us we need to be? A kingdom of priests. And Paul commands us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God so that every activity we do is focused on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Paul uses the same word as they used in the temple for killing a heifer. We're a living example of that temple sacrifice everywhere we go, everything we do. We work and live and love and die for God because he has given us life in the new earth to come. And that eternal future glory must always be before our eyes as we run this very, very short race. The purpose of every single thing we do is either to serve God or man, because there's no two-tiered holiness structure in Christianity. Our Lord's words today do not allow us to imagine that there's some kind of people in this room who are called to be super Christians and others who are just kind of called to be pretty good Christians, right? No, we are all called to be saints, all of us, because there is only one holiness track, one narrow way, as Jesus calls it. And the other wide path, which he also terrifyingly talks about, the wide path always leads back to the slave quarters of the dying temporary things of this world. A run-down shack of lies built by the evil one and only maintained by our pain and futility. There is no amount of possessions or money which will ever cure our anxiety or worry for tomorrow. No accomplishment which will free us from our slavery to the need for more. Truly, we can do an experiment. Have any of us ever gotten a raise or been promoted at work and said to ourselves in the drive home, well, I guess I don't have to worry about anything ever again? No. No one has never, ever done it, right? No, the peace we actually seek, right, and we all seek it, right, that peace can only be an actual supernatural gift. And it only begins 
to fully dawn in our hearts and our minds and our souls when we put our trust and faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's only when it can be done. The second complaint goes like this. I have earned everything I have through hard work. I define myself by that hard work against the lazy, good-for-nothings who surround me. So I will ignore this part of Christ's sermon because it's obviously not about me. Do we imagine for a moment that Jesus doesn't understand hard work? Right? His earthly father, Joseph, was a tradesman. Jesus himself was a carpenter for decades before he started preaching on this mountain today. Right? Do we imagine we work harder than a first century carpenter? If you do, come by, we'll talk about it. Right? None of us do. I'll give you that, right? But even more than that, right? He's God the Son, right? God the Son by whom the entire world was created. He intimately understands what hard work is about because, A, he's God, and also, incredibly, he lived the human experience from the ground level, right? So it isn't that Jesus doesn't understand hard work. No, it is we who don't understand our position in time and the universe. You and I are currently living on a providentially placed planet that is hurtling through space at 67,000 miles per hour around an enormous burning star. Right? We were providentially made alive in the wombs of our mothers, protected while we were more vulnerable than a chicken's egg. We live every single day breathing God's air, eating God's food, walking on the feet and legs God has given us. We could say that all we have is ours because we are smart or clever or attractive or hardworking. But we will be telling ourselves a ridiculous science fiction story while God's amazing natural creation swirls all around us. The idea that people are not on their knees thanking God every day for all that we have, it's nothing less than a pulsating symbol of our self-delusion. But Jesus, because he loves us, won't let us live in that lie. Right? That's why he's talking to us today. Today, he compares us to a flower or a blade of grass, which a lot of times you're going to go, oh, that's, that's really nice. But from God's perspective, if we think about it, that's exactly how impressive our work is in comparison to his. Right? A blade of grass. As you read in Isaiah 40, all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God will stand forever. It is comforting to remember that when Jesus, the word of God made flesh, who will stand forever, when he looks out on the creation, when he looks out on flowers and the grass, what does he see? He sees beauty. And he loves that beauty. And more amazingly, he includes us in that beauty. He includes us 
with all of our sin, destruction, selfishness, self-hurting. He includes us in the beauty of creation. He includes us in this beauty and blessings we have received as a gift from our Creator. But ultimately, despite our real God-given beauty, our inflated ideas about our own importance and accomplishments are merely a coping mechanism for anxiety and worry Jesus tells us to banish today, to get rid of it forever. And when that pride sort of metastasizes in our souls, we begin to forget that we are fragile creatures rather than creators. To live in the reality of our true station, we must free ourselves for hard, honest work without the fear and gloom and anxiety we possesses people and weakens them to the task Christ has set before us. Once we fully recognize and remember that we are the creatures and God is the creator, we don't have to worry about saving the earth or finding ultimate fulfillment in our temporary occupations. No. We can recognize that all our earthly endeavors gain their value when we offer their work to the God who created this world, saved this world, and will one day resurrect this world. We will be free from anxiety and fear. We remember that our moment in the sun is as truly as brief as the blooming wildflower on the side of the road. But we can strive in that briefness to showcase the beauty God has put inside of us. We can show this beauty to the world and remind all men that their Creator loves the beauty, truth, and goodness which will soon bloom everywhere and forever. That future is ours. How then could we ever possibly work? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
and the marriage garment required by God in Holy Scripture and be received as worthy partakers of that holy table. The way it means thereto is, first, to examine your life and conduct by the rule of God's commandments, and if whatsoever ye shall perceive yourselves to have offended, either by will, word, or deed, there to bewail your own sinfulness, and to confess yourselves to Almighty God with full purpose of amendment of life. And if ye shall perceive your offenses to be such as are not only against God, but also against your neighbors, then ye shall reconcile yourselves unto them, being ready to make restitution and satisfaction according to the uttermost of your powers for all injuries and wrongs done by you to any other, and being likewise ready to forgive others who have offended you as you would have forgiveness of your offenses at God's hand. For otherwise, the receiving of the Holy Communion does nothing else but increase your condemnation. Therefore, if any of you be a blasphemer of God, a hinderer or slanderer of his word, an adulterer, or be in malice or envy or in any other grievous sin, repent you of your sins, or else come not to that holy table. Lest after taking of that holy sacrament, the devil enter into you, as he entered into Judas, and fill you full of all iniquities, and bring into destruction both the body and soul. And because it is requisite that no man should come to the Holy Communion, but with a full trust in God's mercy and with a quiet conscience. Therefore, if there be any of you who by this means cannot quiet his own conscience, but requireth further comfort or counsel, let him come to me, or to some other discreet and learned minister of God's word, and open his grief, that by the ministry of God's holy word he may receive the benefit of absolution together with spiritual counsel and advice to the quieting of his conscience and removing all scruples and doubtfulness. Please join me in the offertory hymn, hymn 401.
Please join me in our final hymn, hymn 173. 